You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119, verse number 137, we'll read to verse 144. Ready? Begin. Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal hath consumed me, because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. I am small and despised, yet do not I forget thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. We're going to continue tonight in uh, Psalm 119. We started this section of Psalm 119 last Sunday, and we did not finish. I'm going to do my best to finish tonight. Uh, I do want to say we're so thankful to have the Fineras. Uh, Sam and Julie Fenera are here from California visiting. Hope you'll be sure to uh, welcome them. And then Miss uh, Kelly Pinello has her sister Kim is visiting. And uh, she uh, is from Hawaii, but she's moving to Virginia, so she'll be a little closer. And, you know, everybody's, so many people these days are moving from Hawaii to Virginia, right? You know, you might as well have just come to Roanoke Rapids, but I guess Virginia, that's a little better. But nobody wants to be in Hawaii. I'm teasing. But we're glad that Kim's here visiting. And then the Schnurrs, I hope you'll uh, be sure to get to uh, see them. They'll be here for a little while, but pray for Brother... Uh, Brother Dave and then Caleb, they're rolling out in the morning. They're taking a moving truck and taking a vehicle uh, to Nebraska this week, and then they'll fly back, and then they'll, they'll, they'll all be here next uh, Sunday, and uh, next Sunday will be the last Sunday for uh, Caleb and Jennifer, and then also for my mom, and I hope you'll uh, express to them uh, your gratitude, and hope you express to them your thanks, and I, I do appreciate um, from me to you, I want to thank you for being so kind to my family and, uh, and loving them and uh, being always such a blessing. When people come, people always talk about how friendly uh, our church is. And, I, I, and uh, by the way, I, to me, I've been here, my wife and I, we've been here for over eight years, and it's absolutely, it's genuine. I believe that and I see that, uh, but I want to thank you so much for that. Psalm 119, uh, we saw last week a lot about righteousness. If you notice as we were reading, it says, Righteous art thou, verse 137. Uh, verse 138, thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. Uh, verse 142, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Verse 144, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. And we talked a lot about uh, a righteousness. And we talked about how that uh, we uh, have a righteous God. And then we have a book that is right. This book is correct. This book is absolutely the Word of God. I'm so thankful uh, for that. I, I worry about people uh, that start to say, well, what the Bible is supposed to say is this, or what the Bible should say is this. 
Do you realize that before you know it, what you're going to have is you're going to have a Bible that is only what you want it to say. And uh, it really, as kindly as I know how to say this, it really doesn't matter what you and I think. Uh, what matters is what the Word of God says. This is, our, this is our authority, the Word of God. It is right. And uh, I love verse 140. Thy Word is very pure. Hallelujah for that. There is no pollution. There is no contamination. There is nothing wrong. There, there's no problem with the Bible. This is perfect. Uh, but the problem, of course, is with uh, the hearts of man. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And uh, we need the perfect word of God to work uh, on our wicked and sinful hearts. Uh, that we have. We saw last week the character of God. He's righteous. We saw the commands of God, uh, number two. Number three, we saw last week that uh, the, uh, God's word, it is consuming. And David said, my zeal hath consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. He said it, it's consuming. And he said, I, I hate to see the consequences. And I want to tell you as a pastor, and I think for many of you in this auditorium, if you've been in church for any length of time as a, as a parent or a grandparent uh, or a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader or whatever capacity, doesn't it break your heart when you see people that get away from God and you know the consequences that they will face? And it's not, a, it's not an I told you so, it's not a ha-ha, it's a broken heart. It's tears and it's sorrow because what you would like to do is you would like to, you'd like to stand in the way and say, don't go down this road. But you realize that there are consequences when we get away from the word of God. And David said, my zeal has consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. We saw it last week, number five, uh, the Bible is correct. Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. And we ended last week in uh, verse number 141 with the word we used is the word cognizant. David says, I am small and despised, uh, yet do I not forget thy precepts. Uh, let's never forget who we are. We are nothing. Uh, we are small. We are little. We are insignificant. Anything good in us is all because of God. And David recognized that. Remember, we said King Saul. King Saul, God used him. God blessed him when he was little in his own sight. Then something happened to Saul. He got swelled up with pride. And by the way, that can happen, and that does happen to every one of us. That's why every day we need to humble ourselves before God, and every day we need to realize that without God, we are nothing. We can't make it without the Lord. And David said that in uh, verse 141. Let's look at verse 142, and we'll pick up here. It says, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help us speak to us as we look at your word tonight. I pray that you give us what we need from the Bible. I thank you for this uh, particular psalm. I thank you for the help and the blessing it's been in my life. And Lord, I believe that this uh, this book and this psalm, and I believe this portion of this psalm, I believe that it can be such a help if we would take it and apply it to our lives. Help us, Lord, to see what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The word number seven is the word continuous. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Now, I'll be very careful how I say this because uh, I don't want you to think that I'm picking on a particular 
uh, group of people. I'm not picking on uh, a political party. I'm not picking on a, uh, a, a certain profession. I'm not picking on uh, anything like that. But I think we all know that there are things that we believed to be right or we were led to believe to be right at one time. And now we look back and we say, that wasn't even close. That was terrible. That was awful. How in the world did we believe that? Uh, maybe for you, and, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular uh, in, in this auditorium, but maybe for you, there was a, an investment. And there was a company and everybody said, this company is the place to invest, right? This, this stock, uh, this uh, particular uh, uh, investment, this is guaranteed, right? This, this is going to be for sure you're going to increase your money, for sure. I mean, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> and then some people find out it wasn't guaranteed, right? Some people find out that that doesn't always work like we're led to believe or like someone may try to tell you. But here's the beauty about the Word of God. There's never been a time that we look back and say, you know, the Bible was wrong about that. There's never a time where we have to look back and say, oh, you know what? We thought, we thought Genesis 1-1 meant creation. Oh, but you know what? Now we're, we're so smart. We know that wasn't talking about creation. That was the Big Bang. And you know, now, now we know. Can I want to tell you, I want to tell you this, that, that, that uh, the Bible's not trying to catch up to science. Science is trying to catch up to the Bible. And, and, and mankind is not at a level where, where God's trying to figure out where he's going to land. God has already given us his word. It's the final authority. And it's up to us to meet up to God's righteousness and to meet up to God's word. Thy righteousness is an everlasting Righteousness, it's continuous. God's law, it says, is truth. Let's talk about truth for a minute. Pilate asked the question, and he asked the question in John 18, 38. He asked this question, what is truth? That's a good question, isn't it? What is truth? Well, do you want to know who he asked that question to? He asked it of Jesus. While Pilate was standing, looking in the eyes of Jesus, Pilate said, what is truth? I got news for you, Pilate. Wrong question. You should have said, who is truth? Because you were looking at him. And friend, I want to tell you, we have the truth because we know who Jesus is. He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not only is Jesus the truth, but Deuteronomy 32, 4, the Bible reminds us that God the Father is the God of truth. The Bible tells us in John 15 that Jesus promised when he left, he would send the Holy Spirit of God and the Spirit. You want to know what the Holy Spirit's name is? He is the Spirit of truth. Why is he called the spirit of truth? Because the spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. You don't know what to do about a situation or you're not sure how to handle something. I'll tell you a good thing to do. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you? And then when the Holy Spirit speaks, I believe you ought to obey. 
I don't believe you should quench the Spirit. I don't believe that you should tune out the Holy Spirit. I believe we ought to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Not only that, we have the Bible. The Bible is called in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 7, it is called the Word of Truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I'm so thankful we have the truth. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15 that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now I challenge you on this one. If I ever, if I ever stand up and if I ever preach anything that is not in line with what the Bible says, I want to tell you this. I want you to talk to me. I want you to come up. You can do it right after the service or you can do it that week or you can call me or you can text me or you can email me because I have no business standing up and preaching anything that is not in line with this book because that's what the church is for. It is to hold up and to proclaim the truth of the word of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, 15 that we are to speak the truth in love. I want to remind you as Christians, we have the truth. We have the word of God. But that doesn't mean we go and we see how, 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 uh, how much damage we can do by pounding people over the heads with the truth. That doesn't mean we seek to be cutting. That doesn't mean we seek to be rude. That doesn't mean that we seek to, to make people feel like they're inferior. I want to remind you, if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd still be lost. We'd still be seeking for the truth. But we ought to speak the truth in love. Pilate asked this question of, of, of Jesus, what is truth? And he didn't even realize that he was looking at the truth. John 1:17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that Jesus came and he brought us grace and he brought us truth. Look at verse number 143. We see number eight, the concern. Again, David is writing this Psalm 119, and this Psalm is all about the Bible. It's all about the Word of God. But he says in verse number 143, he says, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. Those words, trouble and anguish, they, they signify the fact that David was experiencing double trouble. Um, I, I teasingly, I've referred to Lacey and Savannah, you know, twins. I've referred to them as double trouble. Uh, by the way, Brother Tommy, you're the one I think that told me a couple weeks ago when we had that, um, was it the school choir or the children's choir? We had like three or four sets of twins. We had the, the Schnur twins. We had the Duncan twins. We had the Coburnat twins. And am I missing somebody? Are those the, are those the only twins so far? Anybody else having twins you want to let us know about? All right. But I jokingly, I'd refer to the twins as double trouble. They're not double trouble. They're double blessing, right? They're so sweet. Sometimes. But here's what David said. He said, I didn't just have trouble. He said, I had trouble and I had anguish. You see, trouble is a, 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 a place where you feel like you are in distress. It's very narrow. It's very tight and you feel trapped. But anguish is a distress and also a disability. And David used these words to describe what he was going through. And he said, I am in trouble. Notice verse number uh, 53 in Psalm 119. David says, horror 
hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. He says, horror hath taken hold on me. And then in verse 143, he says, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. Now, it's one thing to have trouble around you. It's one thing to have trouble in your vicinity or in your general area. But David says, I feel like they've latched on. I feel like I can't shake it off. I feel like the trouble and the anguish have got a hold of me and I feel like I cannot get away. He was concerned. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like trouble and anguish? You ever felt like they had both arms? <laughs> you ever felt like both your hands were tied? You ever feel like you, just, you couldn't get out? You ever feel like it seems like things just kind of keep pressing in and pressing in? And just when you think it can't get worse, it gets worse? And just when you think that you couldn't have another bad phone call, you get another bad phone call, and all of a sudden you just feel like, what am I going to do? Well, here's what David did. He said, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. Now, hang on. Uh, brother Curry, could, would you be willing to help me, brother? Now, again, I, I used Brother Dan the other day, and he was kind of hurting my shoulders. I've been to the chiropractor a few times, but just kind of hold my arms, just kind of hold my arms together. Yeah, just kind of hold my arms, okay? So we've got, we got trouble on this side, and we've got anguish on this side. It's taking hold on me. I feel, like I, I feel like I'm stuck. You know, I feel like I can't get out. Brother, you are strong, brother. Man, I don't know if I'd been better to use Brother Dan again or not. So I got trouble and I got anguish that, are, that, that they've taken hold on me. And I feel like I can't get away. I feel like I can't go this way or that way. I, I feel like I'm stuck. But here's what David said. Even when trouble and anguish have a hold on me, there's nothing stopping me from opening the book. There's nothing stopping me from getting in the scripture. There's nothing that can hold me back from reading the Bible. Thank you, Brother Curry. I'll send you the bill. Oh. I got a question for you. Have you ever had a trouble so bad that you couldn't pick up your Bible? Have you ever had a trouble so bad that your Bible or your Bibles in your home were all taken away and you didn't even have access to them? I know maybe there's somebody who'd say I was in the hospital and I really I couldn't read or couldn't see or couldn't whatever, but maybe you get the Bible on cassette tape or get the Bible on CD or get the Bible somehow you can listen to it. I'll tell you this, I've never been in a place so bad where I couldn't open up this book right here. And I want to tell you, doesn't matter how bad the trouble and anguish are, when you get in the book, you find your delight. The word number nine is the word cheer. You see, we can have cheer. We can have joy. We can have delight. We can have victory if we'll just get in the book. You say, what about the trouble and anguish? I tell you what, when I get in the book, I'm not even worried about the trouble and anguish that much. You know why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God has told us that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. God has told us that his grace is sufficient for us. Paul said, I, I, I besought the Lord three times that he would remove that thorn. But he said, hey, Paul, you're going to have to keep that thorn. But I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you my grace. And my grace will be sufficient for you. Paul used this 
uh, wording when he talked about his life. He said, I have fightings without and I have fears within. Uh, that's found in one of our hymns also, that, that, that wording. Here's what Paul said in his life. As Paul is preaching the gospel, as Paul is planting churches, as Paul is going on missionary journeys, he said, I've got fighting going on on the outside. He said, I feel like people are trying to kill me. And by the way, they were trying to kill him. <laughs> and they were almost successful on several occasions. He said, I got fightings all around. And then Paul said this. I hate to admit it, but I got some fears inside. Fighting on the outside and fear on the inside. What do you do, Paul? What do you do when you're going through that? How do you get some cheer? How do you get some victory? How do you get some joy? Well, how about this? Paul is in jail. It's midnight. And he and Silas decide they're going to have a singspiration while they're in jail. Hey, can I tell you something happened in Paul's life? He's locked up in jail, but he said, I'm not going to let this jail take my joy. I'm not going to let this persecution take away my victory. He said, I'm going to praise God in the jail. I'm going to praise God behind bars if I have to, but I'm going to sing and I'm still going to have victory. You see, delight does not have to wait for troubles to be gone. Delight and joy and victory can come in the midst of trouble, in the midst of anguish. Trouble and anguish may take hold on you, but that doesn't keep you from taking hold on God and his word. I'm thankful for this psalm where David said, hey, I had trouble and anguish. But his word is my delight. Thy commandments are my delights. Hebrews 6, 18. The Bible tells us that we have fled for refuge to Christ to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Uh, don't let the trouble and anguish hold you back. Take hold on God. Take hold on his promises and take hold on his word. Notice verse 144. We see the last word is the word I give you is the word content. Thy righteous, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. There it is again. It's, it's continuous. It's, it's, it's everlasting. But then David says, give me understanding and I shall live. I want to ask you tonight, and you don't have to answer this out loud, but what do you need to live? What do you need to live? Now, some of us would say, well, some of us are spoiled, and some of us would say, I need a whole lot of stuff, right? I need the recliner, and, you know, I need to have the refrigerator nearby, or got to have a cup of coffee, or whatever, you know. I got to have, have my fishing rod close by, or I got to, you know, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know what we need to live? Really just a few basic things. You got to have water got to have food. Now, I know, of course, you got to have oxygen and all that stuff, but just, you know, if you're, if you're living on planet Earth, you got to have water. You got to be somewhere with water. You got to be somewhere with food. You're going to need some clothing. You're going to need some shelter. And really, beyond that, there's not a lot of other absolute needs that you would have. But here's what David said. Lord, I need understanding. And if I have your word, and I, if I have an understanding of your word, David says, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it. 
I will be able to live if I've got your word and if I've got understanding. You see, Exodus 31, turn with me if you would in your Bibles. I want you to see this. This is the first mention in the Bible of the word understanding. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how this verse and what this verse has to say. It's talking about two men that God used to build the tabernacle. And it says that these men, that they were skillful. That's a good thing if you're going to build something. It's good that you know what you're doing. But it says about these two men, Exodus 31. We'll start there, verse number um, 2. It says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Don't you want the filling of the Spirit of God? I do. I, I, want, I need it every day. I desire it every day. I pray every day that God would fill me with his spirit. Here's this man. He's getting ready to build the tabernacle and he, he's filled with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. It goes on to describe the work that he did in preparing the tabernacle for the worship of God. Notice with me, if you would, Exodus 35. Exodus 35 and verse number 31. The Bible says of uh, Bezalel that he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Notice Exodus 36, verse 1. Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding. There it is right there. How, how do you get understanding? Who puts it in you? God does. The Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary. I'll say this. We need understanding in every area of life. And I don't mean you need understanding to know how to do tools and, 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 and equipment, although you do. But I'm saying you need understanding in how to deal with people. You need understanding in how to make decisions for life. We need understanding in how to operate the work of God, the, 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 the church that God has given us in the service of God. We need understanding. These men were filled with the Spirit of God. And God put wisdom and understanding in them. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. You say, well, Pastor, does God just randomly put understanding in some people and he doesn't put it in others? Well, no, that's not the way it works. I want you to notice with me Proverbs 1. In verse number 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. Wait a minute, David's the one who gave us Psalm 119. And he said, if I have understanding of the word of God, he said, I can live with that. I'll be, I'll be fine if I have that. And now he has a son whose name is Solomon. And Solomon is passing down to his son, Rehoboam, some things that God showed him. And he's passing down some things I believe he learned from his daddy, who was a man after God's own heart. And he says in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain 
unto wise counsels. And it goes on and on through the book of Proverbs. I encourage you to, to take a, a pen sometime or a highlighter and mark every time in the book of Proverbs where you see wisdom and understanding. It's all throughout the book. That's what the book is about. But look at Proverbs 9. And I want you to see where understanding originates. It says in Proverbs 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know how we get understanding? We get understanding when we get to know God. See, how do we get to know God? Well, do we just go out on a mountain somewhere and just uh, look up at the stars and just come up with whatever we want to? You can go out and look at the stars if you want to. But I'll tell you how you know about God. He's given us his word so that we can know him. The Bible tells us about Daniel. If you'll turn over there to the book of Daniel, that Daniel saved a nation. And Daniel uh, saw uh, an entire nation that was turned around there in Babylon and he impacted an entire nation. And I want you to notice how he did it. He didn't do it through battle. He didn't do it with soldiers. He didn't do it with weapons. But the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, Verse number four, there were children in whom was no blemish, but they were well favored and skillful in all wisdom and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. The Babylonians took these guys, they had some wisdom, they had some understanding and said, we want to brainwash them. We want to cause them to be acclimated to the Babylonian way. Notice, if you would, Daniel 1 and verse 17. As for these four children, that's Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Where did that come from? Who gave the understanding? Who gave the wisdom? Who gave the discernment? It was God. And I want to remind you this evening that we must have understanding. If we don't have understanding and if we don't get that understanding from the Word of God, we're not going to make it. We cannot live, we cannot be what God wants us to be until we have understanding that comes from God. What is understanding? Understanding is discernment. Understanding is more than just knowing the facts. Uh, I know, I, I know some facts. I learned some facts in school. Uh, I learned, uh, and um, uh, Alice was telling me after church, that uh, Richard, he also learned some facts. Um, he, we, we learned in school uh, that how you round up with numbers. If it's five or greater, you round up to the next, you know, tens place. You know, you know we, I learned that in school. I learned that 43 does not round up to 50. Um, we have a, a deacon and we have an assistant pastor. They, they haven't learned that fact. And so they're, they're going to have to learn that fact. They haven't learned that. But then beyond that, there's understanding. Understanding is not just knowing facts, but understanding is knowing how to use those facts. And I want to tell you, you can memorize the whole Bible. By the way, it'd be a great thing to do. But I'll tell you what else you'd need. 
you need to pray. And I need to pray and ask God, God, would you give me understanding? God, would you give me wisdom? I'll close with this thought. The Bible tells us about Solomon, the man who wrote the book of Proverbs. God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want. You know what Solomon asked, Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom and understanding that he might know how to lead God's people. God said, because you've asked for wisdom and understanding, because you've not asked for riches and you've not asked for power and you've not asked for all these other things, God said, I'm going to give you all those other things on top of that wisdom and understanding. I want to tell you, folks, we need wisdom. You know why? Because this world is out of control. We need understanding. You know why? Because we all have pressures. We all have burdens. We all have trials. There's times where we'd like to say something. Have you ever caught yourself when somebody says something to you and you've got about five responses you'd love to say and it probably would be justified? But there's one problem. It's not Christ-like. May God give us understanding. May God give us discernment. And David said this. He said, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us and I pray that you would give us understanding. We know that if any of us lack wisdom, we can ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Lord, I thank you we can come to church. I thank you for the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 73 and said that when he came into the sanctuary of God, then he understood. Then things made sense. Then he realized that the wicked were only prospering for a little while. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.